when something feels like it's really, there's a lot of resistance and it's just like not going into place, what's the message? Welcome to Let It Out. My name is Katie Dalebout. If this is your first time here, welcome. Dive into the archive. We're so close to 300 episodes. I've been doing this since 2013. I'm going to have to do something extremely special for number 300, but I'm so happy you're here. If you've been listening for a while, you might remember just a couple months ago, I was in Australia in Byron Bay visiting my now very dear friend Erin and her husband Noah staying in their house that's a converted church which you'll hear about in this episode because Erin is today's guest. She's an herbalist, nutritionist, energetic healer, a mentor and author of this beautiful book called Plants for the People and I've just been a dabbler and a person fascinated by herbalism and this book you guys you're just gonna want it for your coffee table or your kitchen it's really cool we talk about it in this episode and I'll let Aaron speak for the book but outside of herbalism and outside of Aaron's work she is one of the most fascinating people I've ever met and really fun and funny and I'm happy that that came across in this conversation because she's she's so smart and she's obviously a trained healer and herbalist. And I, I already mentioned all the things that she does in her career. But as a person, she's just really playful and fun. And I think you can get the sense of that in this episode. And we were laughing because we voice text every single day. I'm on a text chain with her and Noah and we check in with each other and we send each other a view of what we're doing and... We just really bonded over this time that I spent almost two weeks staying with them. And we called it our pre-quarantine because there were these really intense floods actually in Byron where roads were closed and we couldn't go anywhere and we had to get supplies. And, you know, I'll tell you this, they are great people to be quarantined with. And it really bonded us in this way that it's hard to have that much time with adult friends uninterrupted and we just all got along really well and we were laughing because like I said we check in with each other every day and I was listening back to this conversation and it was so funny how much has changed since then you know we recorded this in February and it's all still really relevant today but just our relationship had deepened so much since then and I think the world has just bonded with each other based on what has happened and We, of course, cover herbalism a bit in this episode, but we also talk about integration and the word becoming, which is something that Erin's been contemplating this year. We talk about evolution and relationships. Her and Noah have been together for a really long time, and she gives some really sound relationship advice. We talk about style. She has this really beautiful, effortless style. We get into that. We talk about surrender and change and things not going as planned and pivoting and what can happen and the magic of that. She talks about her IVF journey for the first time ever here. And it's just a really intimate conversation with my pal 
that I am so excited to share with you and have you eavesdrop on. And if you're listening to this the day it comes out, Erin and I are actually going to be doing a Instagram live tea time tomorrow, which is Friday in the States and Saturday morning in Australia. No sponsor again this week, but I will say this. If you would like to support the show, check out the Let It Out kits. I actually came up with the idea and really started working on that project in our mini quarantine flood, talking things out with Aaron and Noah at length. So they supported me so much in that creative project and I would love for you guys to give it a gander. They're kits for personal growing. So they're journaling prompts and ideas and stories and interviews and basically everything that I use for creativity and integration. And a lot of the topics we're talking about here organized into one really cohesive place. And that is a lot to do with Aaron and Noah because I was putting it together in a different way and they gave me some really sound advice and direction for how these kits look and feel and that I was so inspired by their aesthetic and everything that they do in Plants for the People and in Aaron's clinic that I decided to start a creativity clinic. So I'm advising people who are working on a new creative project or in the weeds on a current creative project because the creative process is so nourishing but it's also lonely and intense and sometimes you just need an encouraging person to bounce ideas off of that's neutral and supportive and I've worked with a creative advisor before on different projects sometimes friends like Aaron and Noah have been that for me it's really nice to not feel alone when you're in process and that's what this creative consulting that I've been doing has really been encouraging people. I have consulted with people on podcasts. I've been working with a couple college students who have recently graduated and starting different writing projects. And I worked with someone who's making a sound installation. If you or someone that you know thinks that that would be useful, the link will be in the show notes. And also I've been working with people one-on-one doing journaling workshops. So I have taught journaling workshops all over the country, all over the world. I did one in Berlin last summer. I've done them at Wanderlust festivals and Soho House and The Wing. And I teach a workshop at Kripalu every year. And I don't know what's going to be happening with that or when I'll be able to do that again. And I love facilitating journaling workshops. So I'm going to just do it one-on-one and I'll figure out ways to do more group work on that. We're going to have the right kit launch really soon it's called write and it will be about writing for emotional wellness and writing to share and that'll be coming out in the spring but for now i'm working with people one-on-one and there's a couple spots left in my journaling advising as well so if you want to find out about any of that or sign up for the kits we have both parts of the breakup kit a lot of people are shifting in relationships right now so that's there to support you anyway it's all there it's all in the show notes Enjoy my conversation with Aaron, and I will check in with you at the end. Hi, Erin. <laughs> Hi. Thank you so much for doing this. We've been basically podcasting for <laughs> a few days straight. It's been so cool to be with you and integrated into your life. And I said this to you in the kitchen 10 seconds ago, but just seeing how you and your husband Noah really 
walk the walk and fully embody everything you help your clients with and everything you talk about and just the great conversations we've had and how kind you've been to me, like integrating me into your life. And you're just a really special person. And I'm genuinely so, it sounds cheesy, but I'm so happy to get to share you with the people listening to this podcast. Thank you so much. That's the sweetest. It's been a total delight, honestly. And I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, that's a cool thing about the internet of like getting to connect. We met like briefly in person and it's just really cool that I'm in Australia, staying mm-hmm. at your home, the church, we're literally <laughs> the church. And it's just, it makes the world a lot smaller in a way that I think totally. that's the internet at its best, you know? Definitely. Yeah. So beyond what you do as a person, you're just one of the most fun people to be around and play games with and you're just really (laughs) loving and funny and I I want people to see that side of you in this conversation and I want to talk about herbalism and you know all the things that you typically talk about as well yeah but I thought an interesting place to start would be what you were like as a kid I know you were always really drawn to plants and spirituality Mm. or that started with your neighbor right yeah I mean as a kid I think I, I want to, before you yeah. get into it, I want to mention okay. everyone, it's raining, so there's a bit of an yeah. ambiance yeah. in the background. <laughs> yeah, the cozy ambiance. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I, what was I like? I mean, I, I'm an Aries, and I think I was a very, like, I just came out kind of knowing what I wanted and very assertive. But, yeah, I think I was just a little wild for my family, <laughs> just a totally different energy. My brother was so mellow, and then I came along. I was just always barefoot and I love to just run around and be outside and be in nature. And I grew up in the suburbs in the eighties outside of Sydney. And there still was a bit of wildness there, even though it was kind of a bit of a, you know, it was a suburban kind of concrete landscape, but there was still like these wild pockets and land that would border onto the back of kind of the suburbs. And I would get to run around and be pretty wild and barefooted and curious and, so I think I was just curious. I think I was a very curious kid and nature really held my curiosity. Yeah, I think I was introduced to a lot of like the esoteric and the world of nature and healing in a lot of different ways, actually, as a child, really indirectly. Um, wasn't through my parents, no. Mm-hmm. It was through these outside influences and people I met and my neighbour and my grandmother. And, and then as I got older, you know, friends I met in high school and just all these different sort of, you know, threads that came into yeah to make me curious, even more curious and follow that path. Because your, your upbringing with your parents, Mm -hmm. they were really supportive, but they weren't of this with you, but they weren't necessarily the ones that showed you any of this. No, exactly. I think they modeled a lot of other great things for me to walk this path, but yeah, not at all directly anything interconnected with healing. My dad's like a structural engineer and, you know, my mom, really stayed at home with us for a long time, but worked in different roles. And it was not modeled at all. This is so left of field, you know, <laughs> for my family, the way I paved my path. I often think about this of like people who grew up with the sorts of things that I'm into now or mm. we're into now, if that ends up being off-putting when they get older. Mm. And if it's the, cause I grew up the opposite way. Right. And then it's almost like, is it the thing that's, most different to you that you become attracted to or yeah. that it sticks. It, yeah. That always fascinates me. Yeah. Well, 
I think in my experience, a lot of friends of mine that sort of, and this really may not ring true for everyone who's listening, but my experience was a lot of people who grow up in these really kind of progressive, more sort of hippie dippy like communities mm-hmm. uh, have they they really have gone the other way completely. Totally. I guess it's there's just not the allure, or they're not enamored in the same way that somebody maybe growing up like me has always been desiring that part, you know, desiring. I, I mean, I love my parents and I feel so grateful and it's all in its perfect place in my childhood. But I always think, God, how wild would it have been if my parents spoke this language as well? Like, where would that have taken me? But it probably would have taken me to a totally different place. Yeah, your rebellion might have been like right. something else. Totally. So, yeah, I think they've always been incredibly supportive and I feel like they've instilled, my, you know, a lot of great qualities and work ethic and kindness and generosity and they've both got beautiful spirits and I think well more than however they could have like they taught me those things which is of utmost importance Mm -hmm. not just you know that the way that they well the way that they walked in the world was that it doesn't really matter what they filled their days with yeah it's the substance and I think I'm very lucky in that way yeah do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up as a kid or what you would say yeah, it's so funny because I think there was a bunch of things. At one point, I feel like every child wanted to be a marine biologist mm-hmm. and I did that for I wanted to do that. But I also wanted to be, this is really funny, a makeup artist. Oh, I was, you'd be so good at that. <laughs> I like have dreams of you doing my makeup with so like um, really all natural, all the things we enjoy. <laughs> right, totally. I, I loved like makeup, which is really fascinating because I'm not a super big makeup person now, but um, and I love, and I, and I loved photography. So I was always really aesthetic, I guess, yeah. you know, and I loved making things beautiful and I still do, you know, yeah, you're yeah. so good at it. Thank that's you. a whole, that's a whole nother, we'll get, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. You work with all types of people, all ages, all genders. We've mentioned your work a little bit, but you work in this really comprehensive way with clients with so much empathy and care and without judgment and I feel like I've gotten to witness that because I've been here during the days of your clinic and I also have seen the way that I mentioned that you and Noah just live in your live your life and I feel like I've just been at this beautiful camp (laughs) camp Aaron and Noah and it's been so nourishing like Mm. that's just the word Mm. I think of but nourishing in the way that like with with so much ease yeah and that's what I see you talk to your clients about and I almost wish that they could all be with you for a couple of days and I feel like it would really just click into place of right. like the the simplicity that you offer people. Mm. So again, you really work with people in this very individualistic sort of a way yeah. and a really diverse group of people. But what are some of the things that you find yourself saying over and over again are just some, some simple things that mm. have been helpful? And, and but first maybe back up and say how you work with clients. Yeah. So I've really been walking this path since I was 16 and training since I was 18 and I'm now about to be 38. So it's like a 20, you know, 20 something years. And I started off in the sort of fields of energetic healing, so energetic medicine, crystal healing, kinesiology, color therapy, sound healing, all of those way more esoteric methods. And then I realized after I did years of training in that space, I realized, I actually, I realized like a lot of emotions and emotional imbalances and spiritual imbalances 
okay, it's great to be able to conceptualize them and work on them in the etheric fields, but how about grounding them into our body? Because we are these, you know, humans having this spiritual experience in these bodies, right? Mm-hmm. And how do we, um, we always express ourselves physically. And I wanted to know more about that. So then I went and trained in herbal medicine, herbalism and nutritional medicine, which in Australia is really different. Like it's very different yeah. than how you train in America. And I ended up doing five years straight, a bachelor of herbal medicine and nutritional medicine. And it was great because I got to integrate so much knowledge and really come from a kind of clinical perspective and then also merge that grassroots herbalism, all the energetics and bring it in to kind of create this own methodology of how I practice. And it's been refined over the years. And so I get to kind of, yeah, work in that intersection with naturopathic medicine and herbalism and energetics and nutrition, food as medicine, and just merge it all together. And that's how I work with people. So sometimes it's really in-depth functional testing and digestive testing. And sometimes it's, you know, working on an energetic level and working on, you know, trauma lines and lineage. And so ancestral healing. And it really is, like you said, it's like quite robust. robust and, And it really depends on people will come to me usually because they've got a physical expression, but we just go in wherever we need to go. Yeah. Um, but often you are right. Like I work, I do my best to strip things back and teach people how to really weave in these elements that are so essential to thrive. And they come down to taking care of yourselves in this really simple way. But often we, I mean, this gets into a real deeper conversation mm-hmm. around how complex the kind of space of wellness has become. Yeah. And for me, I just think a lot of people are super confused, put off and deterred to take care of themselves. Yeah. Because it's become such a huge machine. Right. And it's just, it's like, it's literally the opposite of that, what it's truly about. Right. You know, what, what true well-being and wellness is really about. So for me, I'm just always, you know, doing my best to remind people to come back to the center, come back to the center, hydrate rest, eat good food, move your body. What are you saying to yourself? You know, self-talk. It's like these these pillars that make such a difference for people feeling well, yeah. you know, to feel well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's been really cool to witness of you working with your clients. And, you know, you have this, people can already hear it, I'm sure, in your voice. You have this nurturing, calm way about you, but that really feeds into your approach. Mm. And you have this encyclopedia-like knowledge of health concerns and the physical body, herbs and plants and also energetics that you're able to, whatever is thrown at you, give really see through someone and give them what they need with so much ease. And that I believe is because of your experience. It's because of this years of experience and I think sadly, like, to be honest, that's what's, there are so many people popping a title onto Mm -hmm. something that just don't have those years of experience. And I think that, or, or the bedside manner or the care or whatever, but I think that that can really be challenging and be off-putting to people from the entire concept of wellness as a whole. And that's what's a bit, Mm -hmm. what's a bit scary because it is those simple things, but it's so much, everything comes through the the container is so important. You know what I mean? So true. The container is so important. It's everything. 
and I mentor a lot. I mentor students and practitioners in this space yeah. and which I love, but it, I always say that it's like, it's ultimately about you sitting there and holding down the space. Yeah. So be sure that you can do that and show yeah. up for that because, and, 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 and there's a lot of levels to that, but it's, it really is a space holding job. And that's, that's what I am. I'm a space holder and yes, I'm really well trained and I'm able to, you know, be, be, um, spontaneous with whatever's kind of thrown at me, but that really comes from experience and knowing my stuff and having practiced for so long and, and just really showing up and doing my very best. But I do think also anyone that's in the health space, we really need to take it seriously that as a space holder and a guide, you're working with people's health and it's, it's, it's a really precious and serious space to hold for people. So, you know, I think it's, yeah, really important to be able to show up for that if you're claiming that that's who you are and what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you would say to people that you mentor, people wanting to get into this sort of a profession or practitioners or coaches to bring more gentleness in or to shift away a little bit from the machine of wellness? Right. I think the most important thing is to come at it with, to come at every client who's coming to see you and entrust you with their health, to come at them with empathy, compassion, and gentleness, because you need to allow their story to unfold and you need to create a trust with them as well, where they feel that you can hold the space and they feel happy to go there with you. Because, you know, a lot of the time healing, I mean, everyone knows healing is so multi-layered and so not linear. You know, it's like the beautiful analogy of an onion. We're just constantly peeling back the layers and, you know, to be able to hold that space for people it's, it's major. So allowing people to feel safe to unfold is when you'll get to the roots of what's actually going on. When people allow themselves to be vulnerable and to be receptive to what you're offering them. But I also think the most important thing is, is just to listen. Don't have an agenda, you know, of where you're going to take these people, just listen to them. And what will come from listening is when you're anchored in a space of presence, it will become really clear where you need to take them. Right. And I think presence is like, that's necessary for listening. And that's what I saw you do so well is this level of like presence and connection with you. You really do work with such a diverse group of people and you give everyone the same amount of attention. And that is like, that is connecting with other people. You know what I mean? Like that is how we're supposed to be as human beings and helping each other. Right. And that's why I would love, I would love to see the wellness industry being more inclusive. What do you, and you do that so well within your work, what do you think could help shift the industry more in that direction? Oh, that's a really good question. I feel it's so interesting because I think a lot of the way that products are made and like language is directed in that space it's just for a certain type of person so already it's exclusive right. you know so just more inclusive languaging and yeah. you know inclusive offerings but that can come that can be on so many different levels because I work with people you know I work with like I saw today I saw like a just thinking about the ages of people I worked with today they were all different I saw like a 75 year old woman this morning yeah. maybe a 45 year old man the other like last night a 20 year old uh woman so what I mean by that is like there's people in this, but everybody wants to be well, mm-hmm. like every, tr- everyone, everyone deserves, everyone deserves to be well, right. Yeah. And well being. And even if somebody is a bit of a glutton for punishment and doesn't think they deserve or want to be well, 
truly deepest desires is people deserve to be well and want to be well. It's also not a moral issue if someone doesn't want to, like if someone doesn't want to prioritize wellness or center wellness, I think in the world that we're living in now, health can be like this class system or a status symbol. And it's okay if someone doesn't want that, like they're not less than as a person, you know? Right. But the other thing about that is what does that even mean to be well? Right. Right. It's subjective. It's subjective and it's right. different for every single exactly. person. Yeah. So I guess when I'm saying like people want to be well, well, that everybody has a different version of what right. that means. Right. And so I think in terms of, you know, where we could, where we could start making changes is with our languaging, yeah. with that, the kind of wellness space and also stop to stop being so prescriptive mm-hmm. because the foundation of being human is that everybody's different. There's not one person that is the same. And why can't we celebrate that uniqueness? Why are we trying to put people into this is the best diet? This is the best medicinal mushroom. This is the best, Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, whatever it might be. It is so prescriptive. And personally, you know, the way that I've been trained in, in naturopathic medicine, the whole point is individualized care. You cannot treat, you know, two people might come in with the exact same presenting issue, but you cannot treat it the same. Yeah. And that's beautiful. I mean, totally. that's that's that should be ev- how how we treat everybody yeah, in every way. The education right. system. We've had lots of conversations right. about that. Yeah, yeah, that's really beautiful. Speaking of the, the way you work with your clients, I, I'm sure you see lots of patterns. But mm. what are the differences you see with working with men and women? Yeah, a lot. I mean, women. Look, I'd say my practice is like 85 percent women, but it's it's just basically factual that that, that women really consume in this kind of complementary alternative medicine space that it's dominated by women. But I do have a lot of great men and I'm always impressed when men show up and aren't just pushed in to see me from their wives, Mm -hmm. but they've come because they, you know, really want to improve their health in a different way. And it's just unique. So I celebrate it, you know, and the difference is I feel like, you know, women are just very programmed to be quite intuitive with their bodies. I mean, that there's, they're much more sort of even in the language they use, the way that they talk about their bodies, it's totally different. And I think that's very much a learnt behavioural, you know, cultural, Mm -hmm. indoctrinated gender thing. You know, I don't (laughs) think this is like, you know, I think men absolutely, of course, have the capability to talk about their bodies in that way, but I don't think they generally modelled that or, you know, that they would be really in tune and talk about being sensitive and talk about feeling certain things in their body. So I'm always encouraging everybody to tune in and like how does that feel in your body and how you know and get into the deeper layers and you know you it's amazing when you just encourage somebody to connect what they can come up with yeah everyone's so capable yeah. yeah being your friend I've gotten to really understand what it's like to work with you as a client but I want people listening to sort of understand so where do you where do you start with someone like where would you start with someone like me yeah. you know interest because I think you do have a lot of people who come to you who are maybe very familiar and tried a lot of different things right. um, and think they maybe need one thing, but you're able to kind of flip things on their heads. So like, what are the types of questions that you ask and where do you get started with someone? When I work with people and a new person comes to me, it's really about this sweet meeting where I ask them to tell their story. Yeah. And the story is, tell me what's going on right now and how you're feeling and what you're concerned about and what brought you to me today. and then let me ask you, you know, 500 questions about your history. Mm-hmm. Even things like, 
what was your birth like? And, mm. you know, what's mum and dad's health like? And where, you know, what are you eating every day? Can you rest? You know, yeah. can you rest? What's your menstrual cycle like? If you have one, what's, what's your libido like? What's your digestive system like? I get to talk about bowel movements a lot, you know, and just talking about like all these elements of me getting a really deep sense of who is this person? Where have they come from? And what can I obviously see with my trained eye that they would be lacking, needing, or what, where some areas that need extra support and tenderness? Mm. And it's really like a beautiful meeting where I just listen to their story and yeah. we it's a Q&A. And I, I really hope that people feel heard and supported. And then in that session, I circle to a treatment plan and start sort of saying, okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. How does it feel for you? And we go from there and start, you know, creating a plan for them to shift and heal and get better. And, you know, people, you're right, like people don't, I don't get people with colds or anything anymore. Like I get people with like serious autoimmune issues, serious digestive issues, serious hormone imbalances, like a lot, a lot of, or, or sometimes people are just very fatigued and burnt, burnt out and they just don't know how to feel better or they've had an issue for so long and they've tried a lot of things and then they've come to try a sort of naturopathic medicine and herbalism mm-hmm. and nutritional medicine. So I think that also comes with being a senior clinician. Like you, you do get obviously more and more complex yeah. cases because you're capable to hold them. Yeah. Yeah. And you have all this experience, but you also have this intuitive ability to kind of flow to what people need. Right. And that's, that's been really cool to see. You're, you're in this really interesting spot right now where your book is about to come out in one second. Right. And by the time people are listening to this, it will be out. And you're just really on the precipice of so much growth. Yeah. And that's so exciting to me. <laughs> yeah. How are you feeling about that? And how do you manage your emotions on a daily basis? Because being around you, you're so grounded. It makes me more grounded. You know? mm, thank you. How do I manage Hmm, I feel like I am growing a lot and, you know, in the process of creating a book, like, you know, with the book, it's like you, you, you create it and birth for quite some time before it comes right. out. So, you know, I, I, I got the book deal right at the end of 2018 and it's coming out in Australia in March, 2020 and in America in May 5th. So it's not a year and a half, but yeah, about a year and a half since I started really being present with it. And, um, I guess I felt this like, momentum building and building and building and now as copies of the book are going out to people and it's getting out there and I'm getting feedback it's like I can really feel that like whoa it's like it's going to be out there and so many people are going to have it in their homes and then that takes me into people's homes and yeah like just an acknowledgement of my work with the book it goes to a, a far bigger audience but I feel really excited about it and I feel really ready and I feel capable to show up for that and two years ago no like Two years ago, Erin, two years ago, wasn't ready for that. But I feel like who I am now and where I am where I am in my life, I feel really fortified and nourished and I feel really good that I can just be really joyful and present for this experience and the growth. Mm. And also my life is really, you know, moved in a way consciously and crafted it consciously in a way where this all feels really good. You know, I'm in the flow and I've worked really hard to be in this place, but it just feels like the timing is really right for me. So I, I'm just doing my best to be present with everything. And I am, I know you've seen me here that I'm definitely grounded, but I mean, I've got, I'm like an octopus. There's a lot going on. 
you know, like managing different things, but it doesn't feel too much. It feels, it feels good. What do you do when you're feeling ungrounded or out of your body? What are things that bring you back? The biggest thing for me is resting. Like I need to just switch off and rest. And I have a history of really sensitive adrenals. And I don't know if we're going to go into that, but, you know, going through a really intense episode of burnout a few years ago. So I have to be really mindful of like when my body's speaking to me and when I push myself a little hard or I'm going towards pushing myself too hard, which I actually do my best to recognize that before I've pushed myself too hard these days. And then I really just have to shut down and rest. And so Mm -hmm. for me, that means switching off screens and switching off like social media work, all the things. And just, you know, whether it's like coming into my bedroom and lying down and just being totally peaceful and just being with my breath or going outside and like laying in the hammock or just putting my feet on the earth and on the ground and just being present with nature and the trees and the breeze and the plants. And a lot of the time for me, it's as simple as that, just like removing myself from the doing and switching straight into like a very sort of yin passive state Mm. and that really calms me down and grounds me because for me the biggest thing is overwhelm like oh I just I can get overwhelmed you know yeah and I'm like okay I can't take in anything else because I'm full to the brim I need Mm. to process what I'm overwhelmed about Mm. so I need to switch off all those things and remove myself from that and then usually that works very well for me wow I've never looked at overwhelm Mm. in such a simplistic way right I've just, ta- I have too much right now. I mm-hmm. can't take in anymore. Right. Because usually when I'm overwhelmed, I tend to want to distract by taking in more. Right. And that's not no. an effective solution. Right. Totally. I just, yeah, I feel like that's really terrible for me if I do that. So I just pull it right back. And yeah, just being in nature, being like my, I find, I mean, we work, we live and work from this old converted church and it is so peaceful and it's such so a, peaceful. I know, like such a special place to be that for me, I can, even though I live in, I work here, I can remove myself very quickly from that. I find this place so relaxing. Yeah. So I can just come up and have these peaceful moments. Yeah. Mm. Can we get into burnout? And, sure. Um, yeah. Your, helped you to pivot out of that experience and how did you know you were going down that yeah I mean a bunch of things you know I think for me I'd been there it was like a perfect storm honestly that there was a lot going on the few years before and the year before I hit a, a really intense burnout patch and there was a lot of elements that came on board and I think I was pushing myself physically hard I had sold a business which was great but I'd been through that you know, that intense period of wrapping up a business and selling a business, seeing I had these big days in my clinic in Sydney and I was doing huge drives up and down where I lived up in the mountains. And they were just really long days and a lot of outward energy seeing people, a lot of people in one day, the way I would kind of condense my days, which is such like an Aries thing to do. Like I, I almost kind of fed off that, like, you know, I've got lots of energy, boom, 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 boom. And then I would just like crush out and doing it in a more sustained way would have been lovely, but I really went hard. And you know, when you're, when you're working to build a business and a practice and you work hard, you know, and that's just what I was doing. And also like emotional stress. There was a lot of emotional stress. I'd been through some intense experiences with fertility and with my own journey, you know, and um, losing relationships, like with a best friend that I just adored and that was going awry. And, you know, there was just a perfect storm, all of these elements. And we were ready to leave where we lived, but we were both a little afraid to leave, um, to take a leap. Yeah. We were in a bit of a sort of paradigm of 
we're going to stay because we're going to have this and we're going to have this baby and we're going to build this house. And, you know, it was so interesting. It was like, we knew we didn't want, not that we didn't want those things, but we knew they weren't in alignment there. Mm. We kind of just weren't leaping because we were holding ourselves back a little. But in that experience, I just hit total burnout. Like I really, and and this is complex, like because the adrenal system is super complex and it's, I'm just going to call it adrenal fatigue because people relate to that, but Mm. it's really HPA axis disorder, but you can call it lots of different things. So let's call it adrenal fatigue because it's easy and relatable. But I didn't, I was very tired months before, but I kept pushing myself, pushing myself. And then one day I'd had seen like, I'd had a big day of, of clinic um, and I was down two hours away from home and I'd had a, like a really strong black chai, like black tea chai, and I had a raw chocolate because I was needing to stimulate myself to keep me kind of like alert through the day. And, and look, I want to say this, of like I was totally functional. This is what's fascinating is like I was actually really functional. So I don't, I wasn't pushing myself as hard as I, you'd think I would need to, but there was an underlying fatigue that I wasn't listening to. So it wasn't like I couldn't get out of bed. I could totally get out of bed. I was fine, except I was there was a bone tiredness that I wasn't listening to. Mm. So when I when I was having all these stimulants, it's like something just clicked in my nervous system and I literally could not control these kind of cortisol rushes that just kept happening over my body. And my mind was completely clear, so I was not feeling anxious. It's just that my body was feeling like it was having a panic attack. Mm. And it was that dysregulation of cortisol I couldn't control my cortisol response anymore. And cortisol is that key hormone that's released from adrenal glands when you think you're like running away from a tiger, but you missed your bus kind of thing. You know, when you get that like pump of adrenaline. So you would have that like kind of feeling. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, it, it, it just would come over my body and it just made me feel totally on my body. I couldn't really drive. I couldn't drive when it happened. Like it was just terrible. Yeah. And I knew really quickly what it was because obviously I have, you know, very trained in this way to like help other people through this. But it was really bad. Like, honestly, babe, it was really bad. I just had to stop everything for a while. I had to stop seeing clients because, of course, I can't show up for other people's health process when I'm going through my own in that way. And I just had to honour that I really needed to rest and repair and I needed to sleep and I needed to not show up for anything or anyone. And that was hard because I'm the support for so many people and I adore being that. But at that that time, all I could do was honour my own need for support. Yeah. And I it had to be really scary and scary financially. And- totally. Yeah. Like, thank goodness. Like my husband held out. He had like a really good job and he was able to, we were able to just pivot and be okay with that. But, and he was so great and supportive, but it was really hard. And I think it was also really hard just coming off the back of a lot of like tender experiences that I, that I've had, you know, and the emotional yeah. stress that I'd gone through, Yeah, which I really, I don't, talk too much about because it just feels really quiet and personal but baby making can be a minefield for a lot of people you know and when it doesn't come naturally to you as in it doesn't just happen for you and you have to go through different interventions and you know really put yourself out there in ways that you might not be comfortable with in my case for sure Mm -hmm. because I don't even take a Panadol or like a you know what do you call them aspirin aspirin something like that so like it was really hard for me it was really emotionally distressing but it was also really hard on my body. Yeah. So my body was just weaking out from everything I'd been through. Can we say it was IVF? Yeah. I mean, I've never said it before. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay because I don't feel shadowy about it at all. I've like, I just more feel that it's been a really tender experience that I don't have that much to say about it. 
Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to the, to, I, and I realized that people listening may have gone through it or right. be going through it right now. And I'm sending you so much love mm-hmm. and everybody has a totally different experience with it. And yeah. isn't that so beautiful? Yes. And I do believe it's important to share and especially show up in sisterhood of it. But at the same time, for me, I asked when I needed to hear about it. And I asked when I needed to hear other stories. And sometimes I found those stories really helpful and sometimes really unhelpful. And I think everyone's stories are so different. And for me, it just feels, yeah, quiet and tender. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, thank you for sharing that because I think just saying that, Mm -hmm. that it feels quiet and tender. Yeah will make other people, whether it's IVF, whether it's whatever someone's going right. through, that feels quiet and tender. Right. But that's okay. You don't that's have to totally share okay. it. You don't have yeah. to. We were talking about this in the context of social media recently where you were just like sometimes, and I think it was about this period in your life. Right. Sometimes I just didn't have anything to say and yeah. I let that be okay. Totally. I just let it be okay. Yeah. And I really had nothing to say through that time. I was just so focused on my own process and healing and getting better. And um, the IVF put a, like a really huge strain on my body. And I think that contributed a lot for my system, you know, wigging out like that, but it was a bunch of other things too, for sure. Like it was a bunch of other things too. And I acknowledge that, but I, in that, the golden line, the golden lining (laughs) or the golden nugget um, of it all, a lot of good things came from that absolutely horrific, terrible experience, you know, so Which much I good find stuff. very inspiring. Like yeah. I, I know a lot more of the details of this that I've heard from you and Noah and you guys sitting down and sharing that with me because I've shared some tough things myself. And I think that's connection. Like that is mm-hmm. friendship to yeah, be able totally. to talk about when things have been hard mm-hmm. and knowing that's why I love reading memoir, you right. know, like that's why I love it's, it's kind of the hero's journey, right? It's mm-hmm. the arc of like darkest before the dawn or like yeah. knowing that thing. It makes me so, <laughs> I cried earlier Ooh. hearing about this, this story with you guys, but it makes me so sad when my friends have had to go through hard things, Yeah, but it makes me feel so good to know that on the other side of that mm. is so much good. Like mm. we've been, I mentioned your book, which we'll talk about more too, but you have so much exciting, beautiful things happening in your life right now. And you have this beautiful community of people here and your life is so just expansive to me and wonderful. And I think that where you are now Mm. is a total manifestation. I'll use that word of like when you pivoted out Mm. of something really challenging Mm. and got into flow things were really able to pick up for you in a way that maybe you couldn't even imagine then you had this this idea of the house and the baby and Mm. that life and then you're in a different parallel universe where Mm -hmm. something else is happening right now and that's also really great yeah and really different yeah totally and I think from that like what came was we really realized I mean I realized okay I need to step away from clinic for a little bit and really rest and heal. But what I need to do is I need to sort of change the way I'm working and I need to not do long days. I need to not drive down because it was, it felt really depleting to me um, to sit in the car for like four hours a day. You know, it was like, I, I don't want to do that. I live yeah. in this beautiful place where I used to live. I want to be there. And so I was like, I'm going to just shift everything and, and uh, go digital and just be completely digital. 
And in, it was just fascinating. Like in that moment, we kind of were like, well, what, why are we here then? You know, why are we here? Because now you don't have to be attached to your clinic and we've decided we don't want to build this house. And, and, and in that moment, um, honestly, the next day I saw this church, you know, a friend was moving out of this beautiful church nine hours up the coast in this like dreamy little area. And we'd always talked about maybe moving here and it was just like, let's do it. And we did it. Like within two weeks, we just shifted everything and we moved here. And it's been so incredible and so abundant and so healing to be here. And it's kind of just been a whole new lease on life. And we've been here for over a year and we just leaped into the unknown. And yeah. sometimes you really just need to do that when something's just not flowing, you know? Yeah. It, it, it sounds like you were, when you allowed flow rather yeah. than pushing, yeah. everything fell into place. Yeah. Do you have any advice for someone maybe holding on to something or pushing how to shift into flow more and allow? I think listening to, yeah, I mean, listening to yourself is so important and giving yourself, giving yourself the time and space to do that first and foremost. And when something feels like it's really, there's a lot of resistance and it's just like not going into place or the way you imagined it, yeah. you just need to look at it from a different perspective. Like it's like we were talking today about when something doesn't feel in flow, it's like pushing a circle into a square. It's not going to go in that way. Right. You just need to allow it a whole lot of space and look at it and really consider when there's resistance or it's not going forward, what's the message. Yeah. And I think for me in that, you know, looking at the way and I had, a, the, don't get me wrong guys listening as well. My life then was also really beautiful. Mm-hmm. We lived in a ridiculously beautiful place with lovely like-minded people and we were about to build this beautiful house and all of this. It's not that it wasn't lovely. It's just that it really, I, I outgrew the experience mm-hmm. of that version of my life. Or it wasn't correct for you at the, anymore. Right. At the time I outgrew it. I was like, okay, right. it's not correct for me. This is not in flow. And all I, I just kept coming up with challenge after challenge after challenge and so much resistance. And then I just had to really go, well, what does my heart really desire? What do I want this to look like? What do I want it to feel like? And it doesn't always unfold. It rarely unfolds in the way that you think it's going to. Yeah. But just allowing it to unfold when you've got a bit of a clear vision, when you, you have to hold a clear vision of where, how you see it, right? Mm-hmm. But the way that it's going to unfold, well, that's just like the magical forces. Yeah. You told me last night, surrender. You've, yeah, you have to surrender. Yeah. You can't hyper-control things. And there's a grief to that, I think. And I think, you know, we spoke about this the other night, but grief is not a linear process. Yeah. And what have you learned about grief and your own experience and your process and with your clients, I guess? I mean, so much. Like I just, I think grief is a beast. You know, I said that to you the other night. Grief is one of those things that you think you are okay with the loss of something. It doesn't have to just be a person, like grieving, whatever it might be, you know, part of yourself, a version of your life you thought you were going to have. Yeah it just comes in waves. And often when you think you're really resolved with it, it comes back again, like you were just there. And for me, what I've learned is to approach it with such complete gentleness and tenderness and that it's a constant unfolding because loss is raw and real and it doesn't have to make sense to anybody. You feel it. It's not something you can explain or need to explain, but again, approaching it with just Allowing and gentleness and softness and love is the way through it. Yeah. Yeah. 
We talked a bit about putting blinders on and, and staying in your own lane and your community is so important to you and you're such a people person and everywhere we've gone together and your beautiful community, we've run into at least 10 people that you know. <laughs> yes. Do you ever get stuck in comparison of like, you mm. might be moving through pro- your process or you might be right. having a low day or grief, you know, you're this brilliant, authentic collaborator and have these beautiful relationships, but does comparison ever come in for you? I don't think I'm someone that's too stuck on comparison or I think I've learned that it over time that it just really doesn't serve me at all mm-hmm. to compare myself, but it doesn't mean that I don't do it sometimes, you know, <laughs> yeah. and that then I have to check myself and go, oh, Aaron, let's not cycle this story because it doesn't even serve you in any yeah. way. I kind of catch myself in it. But it's more like when I'm really inspired by people yeah. and I'm like, oh, I want to do that too because they're just yeah. really expanding me. Like I'm inspired by them mm-hmm. and I get excited and I'm like, I want to do that. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I had, could do that. And then I catch myself and I often just stop it right there because I could do it if I wanted to. Like, that's the thing. I'm like, well, I, I probably could do it if I wanted to and I was that person and I was in that place. But that's not your path, Erin, and yeah. that's not what you've chosen and that's okay. And that's more, you know, I don't even know what that's really relevant to, but in terms of, you know, comparing myself, I guess it's more achievement. I think I'm, I think I'm, I I just come from a very ambitious father. (laughs) I think that that like, not that I'm um, like really, I can't explain. What do you, like, how do you say like when you're focused on, it's not like just the goals. I'm not about the goals at all. I'm about the journey, but I do, you know, I'm really impressed when people create and make these big, beautiful things and, um, it's like a great achievement when people yeah. birth those kind of things. So I'm impressed by that. Right. But I'm also impressed by people just showing up for their own process in a gentle way. I don't know what I'm really trying to say. It's just that I guess um, I do sometimes look at people and sure, think, yeah, but I really don't go there too much. Yeah. Yeah. You, what is your creative process? What inspires you? I actually really do my best to stay in my own lane, which kind of comes off that question of, um, I do my best to spend time with my sp- myself and spend time with the plants and, you know, the things that inspire me. I'm so obsessed with nature and mm-hmm. it's so integrated into who I am. And I get a lot of inspiration from being in nature and being with nature. And even if that means just sitting in my backyard under the pecan tree, you know, it's yeah. like there's a peacefulness and there's, for me, a really deep well of creativity in the quietness. So I do my best to spend time alone and time in nature. And I feel like I'm a way better creative force when I'm full. Mm. And if I'm empty and tired and all this, I can't create, you know? So I really do my best to have this like slow considered pace as best as I can when I'm, especially when I'm wanting to create. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do when you're feeling low when you're not having a good day when you're having a bad day how do you pivot you know my husband's really good at getting me out of those moods and and checking me my behavior as well so he's a really amazing mirror for me because often he'll sort of call me on it when he Mm -hmm. can see that I'm in a bit of a state and that's a really I I, it's it's a funny thing when someone reflects to you it quickly kind of puts you in your place Mm -hmm. and shines a little light and a mirror on why are you actually being this way um, and that, that always really helps me so I can get out of it pretty quickly. But when his, when, when that doesn't happen for me, I really do my best to send myself love 
seriously, like I send myself love when I'm in a way and a state Mm -hmm. and just to be really kind to myself because I'm processing and I'm integrating whatever's going on and I can't be amazing every day. I can't be like, you know, super, I don't know, positive and joyful every day. That's just not, that's, I mean, I, for me, that's not authentic. I'm just going to move and change and shift and be whatever I need to be. So sometimes I just need to be in a bad mood, you know, (laughs) and it shifts. Yeah. But yeah. That's really loving and tender. I just, I I kind of had a daydream while you were talking. I'm like, I am so happy we're recording this because I feel like if I listen to this podcast, I mean, I am listening right now, but I'm part of it. I would be so nourished by hearing your voice because you have that nurturing quality. And I think everyone needs to send themselves more love. Right. Totally. It sounds so nice. It's so nice. <laughs> it's just, you know, like sending yourself also compassion, you know, and that everyone's doing their best to show up and some yeah. days you just do that better than other days yeah. and if we were just more gentle with each other and understood that and like if we actually came at each other like that you know not assuming that everyone's going to be in a great place or right. you're going to be received the way you want to be received and because you know just be gentle be loving and I that for me that works you know and yeah. so I just try to give myself space and I I try to be aware like if my husband's like you're in a bad like what's going on and I'm like well I also am aware that now my energy is impacting his energy right and I just try to be really conscious of like how can I shift out of that but also be authentic to the process that I'm in right now right right and you know you never know what's going on with another person you never even with yourself to you might be in pain or you might totally worried or fearful and keeping going at the pace you've been going is not going to help you or do any favors. And so lovely that Noah can mirror that to you. Cause I think Mm. when we're on our own, it's easy to, to just be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm Mm, fine. Because we kind of are conditioned by society. So it's really beautiful that he can, you guys know each other that well. They've been together for 17 years. And this is a, this is, I wanted to talk to you about this anyway. You and Noah have such a beautiful relationship what is your greatest lesson on partnership and romantic mm. relationship? Oh my goodness. That's a huge, amazing question, Katie. Really taking the time to see that person. Yeah. You know, like we were just standing in the kitchen <laughs> and <laughs> Noah, Noah, Noah's wearing this flannel. And I, I just looked at him and I was like, you look great today, right? I just said, you look great today. It was so silly, but it's like, I just really saw him yeah. in that moment. And in that moment when I said, you look great today, because um, his skin was shining and he looked great. Yeah. I was like, all these little thoughts of like, God, I love him so much. Oh. I appreciate him. And look who he is. Like, look at him. Look at his shining skin and how he's been like taking care of himself, drinking all of his water. And he's like, you know, he's been working on his gut healing and he like, just looks amazing. And I appreciate him. Yeah. And I do my best every day to see him, yeah. you know, to really see him because he's so amazing. Yeah. And I feel like often, especially in long-term relationships, we, we, we stop looking. Mm. And we start really connecting and seeing that person for who they really are. Yeah. And for me, it's like showing up with like love every day and really, yeah, seeing him and a lot of patience, <laughs> like coming like with a lot of patience because we're both really different, you know, and, but we complement each other for sure, but we're still different. We process differently, really process differently emotionally. And so giving him the space to let him 
and, and for him too, to let me process the way I need to process. And so that might mean he needs more time alone to process, whereas I might want to talk it out or whatever it might be. It's just having patience to meet each other yeah, and, and wanting, and wanting to show up every day to do the work with somebody. Yeah. yeah. And you often collaborate as well with your right. work. Right. We work together. It's a whole nother yeah. animal. It's another animal and it's new to us. We only really started doing that full time for like, a few months ago yeah. Um, as I expand and I grow and I'm about to launch a mentorship program and the books coming out and all the things I really needed help. So yeah. he's such a wonderful talented force and he is a designer and he's just incredible at creating systems and organizing and helping. So, good. so right. And as it's just perfect for me. So uh, we get to be at home working together and, and we're navigating that now that's new to us, but, but it's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are just both such good eggs. Let's talk about this beautiful book. Okay. I I was maybe one of the very first people to get to see it. Yes. Which is a huge honor to me. Oh, it's we were just talking a second ago about you sending me the book and I'm so excited to just have this on my coffee table mm-hmm. and show everyone it's something that I can flip open all the time and can be a great conversation starter. Tell us first about the book. Okay. So also, like before I before I tell you about the book specifically, the book came in at the very peak of my adrenal fatigue. Really? So I guess that was another golden nugget of once I opened space and stopped compressing myself yeah. so much, the thing I really wanted, because I always wanted to write a book, came in with such ease. The publisher like knocked on my door. It was like insane, you know? Really magical. Really magical story. So it was like I needed to crack myself open to allow these other things yeah. to come in, let me grow into the person to write this book right so for me it's been like a real process of becoming to be able to write a book like this and it's called plans for the people and I wanted to call it that because I wanted to remind people that there's such a deep belonging and connection and communication with plant medicine and nature that it's like plants for the people people for the plants it's reciprocity and in so many ways I feel like we need to be reminded of that of this great green earth that we you know, walk on and, and live on and how we can create more connection and take care of it better. And for me, I just wanted to write a book that reminded people about plant medicine in the most simple ways. So the book is some writing, nature writing at the front, but, and my kind of my story of, of how I came to be. And, but then lots of things about how to wildcraft and different things to consider when you're wildcrafting and then foraging. And then it's also like 40 herbs that are really plants that are very common. So I didn't do anything that was exotic in any way. I did the most beautifully common plants like garlic and thyme and ginger and turmeric and oregano and sorry, oregano. <laughs> no, oregano and oregano. Oregano. And a lot of those are culinary herbs and spices. And I, I just really wanted people to realize that a lot of things they've already got around them in their everyday are super medicinal. And if you weave them in, they can, you know, be so beneficial and such potent healers. So I kind of created a materia sort of medica where you can learn about 40 of the plants. And then there's a bunch of um, recipes of how to learn to make medicines as well. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. Talk to me about the process of writing the book and what that was like for you and the road trip. Yeah, we did. I mean, it was a big, it was a big process because um, Tenzin Hudson, my publisher, uh, they publish really beautiful kind of coffee table books. Like uh, there's there's a very strong aesthetic that, 
roles throughout their books. And so, yeah, it's not just about writing. It's about producing these beautiful photos and putting it all together in this way. So sort of once I'd finished writing, I then had to go, oh my, okay, now I've got to figure out, you know, these 60 images or hundred images, 200 images it was actually. And we shot with a friend of mine who's an amazingly talented photographer, Georgia Blackie. We shot in Australia and then we went to the States because a lot of those herbs in the books were so amazing for, you know, your American audience and also a European audience because most of those plants grow quite wild in your environments. Is that not the case in Australia? Some of them do, but no, Australia is a really different landscape and um, there definitely are a bunch that grow here, particularly the the weedy ones like Gotikola and um, We found some the other day. We did. It's, it's, and it would, it would, it, I'm like it would it grows in warmer environments so mm-hmm. it's not as easy to come by in cooler environments in the states in Europe but it's it loves pan tropical kind of areas so yeah. really hot balmy spaces like up here um got your cola and dandelion and uh, chickweed and we're drinking um, dandelion tea right now we are <laughs> so um yeah so things do grow here but in the states how you guys have like flowering fields of yarrow and flowering fields of California poppy and you know that doesn't happen here. So we wanted to get uh, a lot of wildness to be captured yeah. in the book. You did. It's yeah. so beautiful. Thank you. And so we went on this crazy road trip. It was wonderful. We went through California and then Tennessee, North Carolina, Georgia, and people were just so kind. Like, honestly, all these amazing herbalists and farmers, growers, they opened up their land and their homes and welcomed us in. And so cool. we just, it was like the spirit of the community of herbalists and and the people, people who value herbalism are just the kindest people. And it was inspiring. Yeah. And we got to capture so much beauty. So that's laced throughout the whole book. There's a lot of wildness. And, you know, it was fascinating to try it. Like it was hard to try to find some of those 40 plants fresh because yeah. it was like, what season are we in? And how, where are we going to find them? And where do they grow? So I grew a lot of them myself. So a lot of them in the book is, you know, things that I grew and cultivated and took really like looked after myself. And that feels really good. And mm. The creative process of the book, I mean, I just, I I really dove in, you know, I just leaned in and it was hard and it was great and it was all the things to just focus on waking up every morning and writing and being really disciplined because I had a, actually had a very short timeline to write the book yeah. compared to how maybe I thought I would have like a year to write how a book. How long did you have? I really only had about four months Yeah, and really I actually worked a lot through that with clients. So I probably, I took off like a month to write the bulk of the book, yeah. which has been written. It, it, a lot of it was written in, in the, this intense yeah. like month. So, yeah. I hope you, where we kind of say that this time right now that you're in right before the book is launching is yeah. your incubation time. Where right. We're about to watch Sistract after this. Sistract 2 is <laughs> the better one. Um, yeah. Which we both agree on which is a defining thing in our friendship. <laughs> that we um, love that movie. But yes, but <laughs> it's really interesting that you're taking some time for yourself and you, you took six weeks off, right? right? I had like a summer sabbatical. Yeah. Which is so great. And I think that you have these structure and boundaries that I believe make you feel more, more free. Yeah. And we had this beautiful conversation of allowing space for integration and you gave me some really great advice on that. Can you talk about that? Well, I was just talking about, yeah, about how in the way that we're geared right now and programmed, we, I think we're really geared towards consuming a lot. And I even mean that in this kind of wellness space of like how we consume 
things. So we might, you know, in a week we're going to our yoga class and where we might be seeing like our Reiki healer and then we're going to get, you know, a kind of holistic facial and then we're going to see our osteopath or whatever it might be in like a week or two weeks because we're doing these acts of self-care or we go to a meditation retreat, like all the things. So great, right? But what I think is missing right now and what what a lot of people aren't allowing themselves is the space in between to actually integrate the experience that you've had. And so what I might mean sometimes, I think we were talking about this, that, you know, all you might need is to go to that yoga class and do one posture. And that posture might actually take you into a place of memory, let's say, Mm -hmm. and you remember something in that posture. And that's a powerful piece for you, but you keep moving on in the yoga class, you know? (gasps) That was crazy, but that was crazy, but uh, yeah, I'm going to move on now. But often the invitation, the doorway of the memory is to actually lean in and integrate whatever that might be. So you can integrate in a lot of different ways. You can journal, you know, you can sit and breathe. You can move in your body. You can, you know, do some movement. You can do anything to integrate, but you can also just absolutely do nothing. Yeah. And that means allowing yourself just time and space to be, whatever that might mean for you. And I just don't think that we're integrating enough. We're not integrating the sessions, the experiences that we're having because we're just moving on to keep bettering and bettering and bettering, but often often the bettering, if that's the thing, better that it happens in the spaces in between. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what I did in Bali. I was just going to the next this teacher and this thing and this boom, 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 and feeling so much. And I had this moment of I just need to process this. I need yeah. to just sit with it and process it or hold on to it. And I found myself wanting to journal after Mm. or, and I was in so much pain that I couldn't like sit to journal. So I was voice texting after, because I was like, I need to catch all of this and process it because I was having so many profound experiences one after the next of like really integrating an entire year. Mm. And, and that, that's where the magic is not in the Mm. session, not in the therapy, not it's the afterward that really is the part that matters. Yeah. Yeah. I I really agree. And I'm always talking to my clients about that, you know, honoring the integration space. Yeah. And so often that just means, although I'm suggesting different things for them to take on and integrate into their life, like nutritional changes or herbs to work with and et cetera, et cetera. I'll often say, but these things, these other things, the yin, the yin in betweens, the yin um, activities, not even activities, the yin practices. So that might mean breath sitting with breath, sitting under a tree, feet on the ground, walking gently in nature, yeah. laying down, feeling your body, hands on your body, giving love back to yourself, whatever it might be, those are just the gentle integrations. Yeah. And they're as important, if not more important sometimes than the other things. And journaling is such a great tool for that. Totally. To sit down and write what you process. For me, for you, for people who are verbal processors, right. I think journaling can be such a powerful tool for that yeah and talking about it with someone else I often don't feel like things are real or I've integrated unless I can kind of articulate it to someone right. else and that's just, for other people it might just be sitting with something totally as we were talking about with the differences between you and Noah like right. we tend to want to talk about things other people that might not be the case so it's knowing what integration looks like for you totally yeah yeah okay we're moving we're running out of time this is flown by but we're moving into the quick fire portion of this but some of these are not that quick what is the best thing you've eaten in the last week oh the best thing i've eaten in the last week 
I feel like those gut healing jellies are pretty say good. Those jellies we had were yeah. so good. I just made these like gut healing jellies. Jello, basically. They're like, yeah, they're like I really... want. I keep wanting to call it Jello, and you correct me. <laughs> I'm like, no, they're gut healing jellies. <laughs> um, they were really good. They're really good. So good. Yeah. What are you most curious about right now? I'm curious about creativity. I'm I'm more curious about creativity. After writing my first book, it's like I feel this deep sense of expansion in my creative process. And I'm really curious about that. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. What's your favorite part of your life right now? You know, it's like, I, this is so perfect. Like just being cozy with you, you know, <laughs> like really just, you know, I, I really love that we've created a life that we can welcome our friends into and they feel nourished by Like how amazing yeah. is that? And I feel nourished by it. And then I can give other people nourishment and welcome people in. And I just like, I, I, I feel like this feels so good. You know, you are so great at, at nurturing and that you're, it's, it feels so like so much ease for yeah. you that in, in a way that like is a really your role model for me and of how I want to be in my life. Thanks, Katie. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite food? Japanese. We had sushi the other night. It was great. <laughs> favorite place you visited? Lots because we travel a lot, but the first thing that came to mind was Arches National Park. Mm. It's I feel like it's so beautiful. Where is that? It's like in what's the state? I've lost the state. Guys, everyone's gonna California? be like, what is it? No, no, no. Utah. Utah. Sorry, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Utah. Okay. And um I felt like it was like portals into different yeah. places. It was cool. so majestic. That was like the first thing that came to mind. Oh, but cool. we travel a lot to many amazing places, but that one came first. You have a, a very full plate, as we've discussed. Yeah. Do you have any tips or tools or resources for staying organized? Well, I'm getting better at this, but I am a pretty organized person. My Virgo husband thinks I need more organization, but you have to create boundaries and division. And so I have a work phone and then I have a personal That's phone. Very cool. Right. And it's so it's like none of my clients have access to me on my personal phone. So it means that I can switch off easily. In that way, if my work phone is away, I don't even have to think about it. And I don't check my work emails on my phone. I don't have them on my phone. So when I sit down, when I'm going to answer work emails or anything related, it's on my laptop when I'm creating that division and that time to be present with that thing. So I I do my best to kind of compartmentalize things in a healthy way. So I'm not, I'm overwhelmed all of the time with, with people coming at me and asking me questions or needing something, which... I love, I'm so happy to be there when I can be there in that way. So yeah, I really, I I do create boundary. You're making me feel, I have, there's so much muddiness between what is work and what is personal for me. Right. But I feel like I really need to create some more clear division and have some boundaries because you're right. It just is, it could be happening at at all times from all directions. For sure. Like, especially when you're quite self-made and you're entrepreneurial and you know, you, you do your own thing. It's, you want to be pre- like for me, I love what I do and I want to be really present for it. And I want to really show up for it. And I don't, I don't, it's funny. I don't really feel like it's work in that way, but that can get a little blurry because it is still work. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? It, I'm not relaxing. I'm being present for work. So I need to just create firmer boundaries and I'm, I'm pretty good at that. And that's, yeah. that, that's something that I really think people should set themselves up like that from the get go, that they've got systems in place where they're present for this and that just because you want to have your own process and you want yeah. to feel freedom and lightness. And I think it's yeah. important so you don't feel a little overwhelmed. 
What is your greatest lesson on family? That they're everything. There's nothing like feeling a sense of belonging. And for me, my family have given me, even though I'm so different than, from them, there's a belonging. Mm-hmm. And with Noah, he's my family. It's, it's just such a deep sense of belonging. And for me, that's very healing, yeah. really healing. And I've also learned that we are plenty. And um, I'm, what I mean by that is I really thought that I would always have, this is a totally different tangent, but I thought, because I, I am such a nurturing person and I was like, I really want to have kids and I want to be this like mother and all the things. And I think as time's gone on, it's so fascinating the different shift that we've gone through with our idea of family. Yeah. It's really changing and we feel quite whole and complete mm-hmm. right now. There's really not nothing missing. Yeah. And so family for me is ever changing and it's just, it has changed a lot, but I'm just acknowledging how much belonging I feel with my husband and with my family and with my friends. Mm. Belonging is mm. such a beautiful word. Yeah, it is. Right. But it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel really whole when I think of family, I feel whole. I love that word belonging because it's really like what we all want to feel less alone we all want to feel like we belong totally another b word we've been using a lot or you've been using a lot which just feels nourishing is becoming yeah can you talk about how you define that right now becoming for me is like a total theme of my life and I feel like like I said even before to even show up to be the person that I could be to write the book and produce a book and, you know, trust my process and create, I needed to become. And the next thing that we had, Noah and I have a really big vision for what we want to do in these lives of ours. And we just are becoming the people that we are to continually show up and keep growing and expanding into those next people version of ourselves that become a little further. Like there's no end game, you know, there's just, an evolution of becoming and if we were just more gentle on ourselves and to know that every process that we're in is a grow growing chapter it's a growth spurt it's growing pains it's whatever it is it's growing and that is becoming Mm, so good yeah what is your greatest lesson on spirituality god what happens when we die (laughs) yeah or just what do you think what do I, I ask you this the other night? I mean, first of all, I've never been really impressed with gurus. I try and I do my best not to guruize anybody. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's really unhealthy. I know we do it a lot, but I just see the humanity in everybody and I do my best not to have that kind of, yeah, you know, I don't follow anything that I think I just appreciate, you know. Um, I like to think and I like to feel and I believe, I mean, I've worked, I've worked with a lot of mediums and had a lot of psychic readings over my time and incredible things have happened and it just feels like we move on into another form we just return to another form of energy and Mm. our spirit keeps moving and becoming right yeah yeah I want to talk about style before we end because you have the best style and it inspires me so (laughs) much from your home style to how you dress and it's just it's so effortless and beautiful and Mm. has your style evolved and what what advice do you have for it it's totally evolved like we were just looking at some of our wedding photos the other day which was like eight years ago and it was like really kind of I mean it was so cute but it was like 
totally different style, you know. I think you just, again, it's that thing of like evolution and you change and you expand and you feel comfortable in different things. And so for me, like what I wear and what I surround myself with in my home, it just is, a it's kind of something that moves and shifts as I move and shift. Our house is very earth-toned and neutral, but it's like a lot of browns and dried native flowers and I'm just looking around this room, like linens and, you know, it's, it's very earthy, but that for, that for both of us, it feels very harmonious. We have lots of plants in the house and it just feels calming and harmonious. And the world is a crazy place. And I know we live in a beautiful tiny town and it's very peaceful here, but you have to create a sanctuary, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's intense out there. And it's like, yeah. you know, for us, like creating this, this, this is our sanctuary. This is yeah. our little oasis. So we find it to be really calming to create and surround ourselves in this way with these beautiful things. And for me, like I care so much more about the story of how the thing became to be to me. So, you know, I like I have a lot of pottery that friends made, oh, you know, ceramics and the clothes I wear, I really try to buy brands that are people I know or locally made or really sustainably made and consciously created brands. And that matters to me because yeah. I'm like creating my own little oasis. <laughs> what yeah. I wear makes me feel a certain way in the day yeah. and it changes my energy. Yeah. So I do my best to just listen to what I like and what I'm drawn to and just do my own thing as well. And I think that's so important for confidence. Like right. to feel like, to look in the mirror and feel like you look like yourself. Right. To feel like you look nice. Totally. I think it's really important. It's so important. And even like as I, and I, like I'm 38, I'm about to be 38. And it's like your body changes, you know, your looks change. It's like, I mean, and I don't mean that in a negative way at all. I mean, it's just an evolution of right. getting older. And so you feel comfortable in different things and you want to express yourself in, like I, I wore much more like bold color when I was a little younger. And now I'm just more in, a, I like wearing a lot of white or like earth tones and that just feels comfortable right now. Yeah. Um, and that feels good. And like, it's just allowing myself to move and evolve because you're never going to stay the same and you don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. We always talk about body image on mm. the show because of my history with it, as you know. Mm. Have you ever struggled with body image? You seem like someone who's so comfortable in with yourself and, and likes yourself. Has right. that evolved for you? For sure. Like I mean, so? I feel like I did have, I've always kind of had just a real love and acceptance for my body in the way of, you know, and, and I definitely like, you know, I've always been, I've never been tiny. There's got, you know, there's been different times where I've definitely been smaller and fitter, <laughs> but this is what I came in with. And it's like, it's just like, you know, it's funny. Cause I really like love my lineage. I love my mom and her Russian lineage and, you know, my dad and his lineage. And I just feel like there's such a story as to who I am to be in this body yeah. and I just really do my best to honor it and not judge it and be really comfortable with myself and I definitely there's different facets of that but I do feel like just being confident in your body is such a attractive thing oh, no. oh my the god most right like and I just feel like I've just done my best to be confident and comfortable with myself yeah. And sometimes it's not everything, you know what I mean? I can't do it all the time, but I I do feel like I'm pretty comfortable in my body. I do feel like it's, it's definitely challenging when your body changes in different ways. Like my experience, like when I, you know, when I did IVF and my body changed from that experience, 
that was hard for me. You know, it was yeah. it was hard for it's me. Jarring changes. It's jarring, jarring right? Up especially right, but I again, you just got to love yourself harder. Mm-hmm. You just got to love love it, love yourself harder. And yeah. for me, I really just have just tried to be super gentle with my process. And when my body changes a little, I try not to judge it, whatever it might be, because we are constantly moving and shape shifting. And I love that. I I feel like it's so. Love yourself harder could be the title of this episode. <laughs> What's your greatest lesson on? Well, wait. Before I t- ask you that, I usually frame that question as, "What to do when you are having a bad body image day? Right. You're feeling weird in your body. Other than love yourself harder, are there any things that you do? Is it like yeah. maybe put on a different outfit or take a nap? Totally. Or is it like there any? No, you should you definitely do? wear something that you feel really good in. Mm-hmm. And some days you don't feel good in anything. So just right. wear the thing that's the most comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like sometimes you just need to, you feel like a little bit bloated or, you know, you're like a bit hormonal. You just have to wear the thing that is the most comfortable and feels the most like you. Right. That makes me always feel yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think sometimes it's like outside in. Yeah. Know? Totally. Greatest lesson on friendship and community. Oh, I've had so many. <laughs> um, oh, okay. I let go of one of my very, most, very best friends and um, I'm cycling little grief about that. So the first thing I thought of was that, but greatest lessons is like treasure them and be communicative and show up as best as you can. You know, I think that you really cannot take great friendship for, for granted because when someone really sees you and really, really sees you and recognizes you and hears you, that's unique. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing that yeah. someone's going to really get you. So just treasure it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Mm. Okay. This last question is really just a way to recommend things. So yeah. sometimes I say if you're stranded on a deserted island, but really just what is your favorite book, music, podcast, TV show? And these can, you don't even have to choose one of all of them, but things that you mm. have loved forever, you're just loving right now, anything you want to recommend. Okay. So. My favorite book that I always go on about is Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin War Kimmerer. Oh man, it's amazing. Everybody should read it. It's just such a love letter to nature. That's my favorite book. Also, The Overstory. Have you read that? Mm. It's amazing. That's, I can't remember his Richard, I can't remember his last name, but it, he, I think he won the Pulitzer Prize. It's amazing. Cool. Yeah. Another love letter to nature. I don't have a very favorite podcast I listen to all the time, so mm. I'll skip that. But music. I, what am I listening to a lot right now? I'm listening to Big Thief. Do you know Big Thief? Mm-hmm. So yeah, good. I listen to Big Thief a lot. I think her voice sounds like heaven. So I'm listening to that a lot. But, you know, we just love sometimes like jamming out to like Annie DeFranco and pretending yes. we're in the early 2000s. So there's a lot of that. <laughs> and But Big Thief is really good. And what else was my options? A film or no, did yeah, you say? Yeah, film and TV show. A film and TV show. Well... I just watched the second season of Shrill. Oh, Shrill? yeah. I love A.D. Lindy Bryant. West yeah, is so yeah, good. Right? Have you read the book, her book? No. It's based on Lindy West's right. book. I, I picked it up, but I just watched yeah, the show. Yeah. So yeah. I love that. I feel like everyone should watch that film. Well, we already mentioned Sister Act I was going to say, I feel like everyone should love. go and watch Sister Act yeah. too. 
Oh, Practical Magic. Oh, so good. We oh, love that film and this love it. family. <laughs> it was so inspiring. I always wanted, I've always wanted to have an apothecary like her. So perfect for you. I know. In that little seaside town. You will someday. I feel like I will. I think so too. <laughs> and that big house, mm-hmm. the big witchy yes. house. I want to live in it's like happening. a side house of it. It's happening. Okay. Great. It's already manifesting. I want to be the Nicole Kidman to your... Um, <laughs> Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I just thought of this question. I haven't asked this one for a while, but I wanted to ask it to you. Mm-hmm. If you're having a dinner party, yeah, who would you invite? They can be people you've never met, people you've met, maybe three people that you would love to have at the dinner party other than Noah and me. <laughs> okay. So do they, uh, can they be alive? Like yeah, okay. alive or dead. Okay. And, you know, people that maybe you don't know is a bit more interesting. Right. Okay. So... Robert Moore Kimmerer, the woman that wrote that book, right. Braiding Sweetgrass, so she's like this epic botanist and I just think she's amazing. Rosemary Gladstar, who is like the grandmother of herbal medicine, and I, and I just think she would be so delightful to have there. Um, that's two. And then I don't know. I've got to think about that. that those were the two that came to me really those quickly. Okay. Well, let's just give it a So that. they're just like plant-loving women. Great. Mm-hmm. And then if you had to give a let it out infusion so maybe this is an infusion for me because (laughs) i am i am pretty much let it out yes (laughs) but for everyone listening if you had to give like right now you know people should will definitely get your book but if there are maybe three or four herbs that you love okay so two of my most favorite herbs in combination in an infusion is nettle leaf and oat straw and so you can use like milky oats. You guys use them more than we do, but milky oats or oat straw. And in combination, they're such a be- they're like the perfect pair mm. and they're in the book as well, but it's such a simple thing that you guys can do. Making an infusion with like equal parts, like a tablespoon of each yeah. and infusing them overnight and then straining them and drinking them. Yeah. Um, they're so nourishing, so rich in like B vitamins and minerals and really grounding and earthing for your nervous system. Um, so I, I think that's a, that's perfect for let it out. metal is great for your hair. It makes your hair grow so fast. Yeah. So if you drink it internally, like drinking it, but also you can do rinses and like pour it all over your head. You <laughs> know, and that works yeah, really I well. Was, I, I did it once and it really did work for me. And I want to, maybe we can make that infusion like later. Totally. So good. Yeah. Okay. This is the best. I love you so much. Thank you so much for doing this. I <laughs> can't wait for everyone to read your book and get, a, you. get into everything that you're doing because it's so wonderful. Is there anything that you... This is called Let It Out. Is there anything that you wished you would have let out? Did I squeeze you for all your juice? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You squeeze me for all my juice, which my husband loves that saying. We're going to use it all the time now. I think that's like a Lizzo line. Is it? Okay. I mean, I love her. She's She's amazing. I feel really complete. I just feel really grateful to have been here and to have, I know, you know, just let it out there in that way. Like everybody's going to hear this and it's so sweet. And I'm just so grateful that we met so randomly in LA and, you know, and through the crazy world of Instagram, we came to be here in my bedroom. In, with the rain pouring. With the down. rain pouring in a tiny town, you know, in the northern New South Wales coast of Australia. And I'm just so grateful for that crazy connection. And that's, that's really it. I feel totally complete. Me too. Okay, but we have to do the let it out deep breath. You ready? But what is that? Okay. So you just inhale and we let it out together. Okay. Are you ready? Inhale. Yeah. Let it out. Ah. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> Love you. 
You have to choose the emoji for this week's episode. Okay. Just any emoji you want to pick. Okay. People people will um, comment it on your Instagram, my Instagram, to let us know they got to the very end of the episode. Oh my God, that's so cute. What do you want it to be? A rainbow. Rainbow! Yeah. All right, you guys. How cool is she? Isn't listening to her voice just really nice? I love her so much. Give her book a look. You're going to want a hard copy. I love it so much. I've been having so much fun with herbalism and I think you might like it as well. Come to our tea time if you're listening to this the day it comes out. Might still be on our Instagram. And the emoji for this week's episode, as you heard, is the rainbow so comment that on Aaron's Instagram on my Instagram let us know you're listening all the way to the end of course let it out has an Instagram that I think you might want to give a follow to and be part of this community we have a Facebook group where you can connect with other listeners all over the world and we could maybe share our let it out infusion that she gives us at the end which I thought was pretty cool I made a different infusion but it did have nettle but I couldn't find milky oat straw this week but you know there's always next week i hope you're doing okay in quarantine i'm going to give you my likes and learn so every week at the end i say something that i like and something that i've been learning something that i'm liking is tapping do you guys know eft tapping emotional freedom technique back in 2013 maybe my fourth or fifth podcast guest jessica ortner is kind of this tapping expert and just a really kind, wonderful person. And her and her brother have a company called The Tapping Solution, and they came out with a app this week that's really cool. And they're giving it for free to healthcare workers right now. And if you click the link in the show notes, check it out. It's been really helping me. And I kind of forgot about tapping, honestly. And It's a really useful technique. So that's one thing I'm enjoying. I'm also trying to hydrate a lot more and just the simple act of putting a metal straw into my mason jar has been incredibly useful. So that's the thing I'm learning. All right, I love you guys. I will talk to you next week. Check out the kits. Let me know what you think. I would love your feedback, especially on the free journaling 101 kit. Check it out, do some journaling. I've been doing morning pages every day at least for April and most of quarantine. And it's been really useful for me to get back into the practice of writing every morning. And if you want to have some direction with prompts, the Journaling 101 kit is for you. They're prompts I use all the time and I would love to get your feedback on it. All right, I love you guys. I'll talk to you next week. And thank you so much for all the nice feedback about my birthday and my birthday episode with Sasha last week. If you listen to that, I get interviewed every year for my birthday and that was the last episode. And let me tell you the guests for next week. We have Christy Harrison, the author of Anti-Diet and my friend and mentor who's done my podcast many times. She's the host of Food Psych. Get psyched because she's one of my favorite people to talk to as well and we had a really cool quarantine conversation so that's coming to you next week and many exciting things after that anyway i love you i'll talk to you next week